Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 18th, 2022. It is currently 2.55 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios, located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I have a question for you. Would you like to have in your possession the most comprehensive Bible study method ever put together in the history of mankind? Would you like to have that? Would you like to have it in your possession Would you like to have access to the most comprehensive Bible study method? Dare I say, the best Bible study method ever put together in the history of humanity. Would you? Now, to be honest, I don't believe most Christians want that. I believe most Christians aren't interested in that. I believe most Christians could care less that there, there, that there is even a comprehensive Bible study available. To be honest, I believe most churches could care less. Now, I know that sounds very cynical. I know that sounds very skeptical. And I'm more than willing to acknowledge that. But from my experience of being a Christian, the one thing I have encountered throughout my Christian life is that the average Christian doesn't really care about engaging in any serious Bible study. It's hard enough to get Christians to listen to sermons on a regular and consistent basis. It's hard, especially in 2022, to get Christians, if they show up Sunday morning, to even come back Sunday night for a service. And if if you're fortunate to get them to show up Sunday morning and Sunday night, if they're going to return on Wednesday, you, 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 you may want to get them checked immediately because there's probably something wrong with them because it's like finding a unicorn. Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit over the top. Maybe I'm using a little bit of hyperbole, but a lot, there's a lot of apathy. There's a lot of complacency. Dare I say there's a lot of laziness. Dare I say there is a lack of desire for Christians to take their Bibles Get the tools, use a very, the most comprehensive Bible study method ever, and actually dig into the text. Look, even our, we have an entire podcast series. I mean, this episode is a part of it called Bible Study Exercise. What is the goal of that series? Everyone remember? What's the goal of that series? It's to move people from a passive listener to an active participant. And a lot of people who listen to some of those episodes, just based off some emails I get, they're somewhat confused. Like, wait a minute, you're you're not giving me all the answers. Wait a minute, you're not actually doing all of the study. You're giving me things to do. You're giving me assignments. You're giving me homework. And, and a lot of people are like, no, I just, I just want a 15 minute, maybe a 30 minute. You teach me. And it's like, no, the goal is to get you to study the Bible for yourself. Now, all I can do is try to put together the most comprehensive Bible study method ever and say, here it is. All I can do is place it in your hands. You may immediately look at it and throw it in the trash. You may even say, nope, don't want it. Don't want it. Just keep it away from me. And I understand that because a lot of Christians, that's their attitude. I'm not going to sit there and try to figure out the reasons why. I just know that that is a reality that really cannot be denied. You, You may say, no, 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 I care. Well, wonderful. Great. Here's what I would ask you. If you do care. Find others that care. Find others who want to study. Find others who would love to have a a comprehensive method of Bible study and then share this with them. And then you guys work together on Bible study using the methods that we have been taught. So I've got to kind of get everyone caught up if you're brand new to this. We are putting together, we are building, as I am calling it, the best Bible study method ever. And this is really a Bible study method designed to help you study a book of the Bible in the most comprehensive way ever. And so this is what, if you can, if you have a Bible, I need you to grab a Bible right now. I need you to open it. 
I need you to go to the table of contents because I'm really trying to drive home this illustration, this allegory that I kind of found myself creating live on the air. I didn't really, it wasn't in my original notes. I didn't really plan it this way, but I'm always trying to find a way to describe this so that it, that it may connect with people. I don't know if my illustration, my allegory is is working, but I'm going to continue to to go with in this direction because personally, I think it works very well. But you, the listener, will get to determine that. So so if you look at your table of contents, you see a list of, well, books of the Bible. Right? You see all of them, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We can jump Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. You get it. You see all the books of the Bible. Every time you see the table of contents or every, every, every single time you see the title of a book in the Bible, I want you to immediately not see that as a book. I don't even want you to see it as a letter. I want you to see it as a portal that transports people to a different time, a different country, a different culture, a different everything. Because whenever you open up your Bible and you, in a sense, read it, you're stepping into that portal and you're transported and you find yourself when you start reading that, that, that book, whichever book you're reading, you find yourself immediately con- confronted with a different political structure, a diff- different religions, different cultural ideologies, different moralities, different everything. And, and what we have a tendency to do is we run, jump into the portal and say, hey guys, it's all about me. Aren't you glad I'm here? It's all about, we don't care about you. It's all about us. And Christians have been doing that way too long. We just run in and just, we think we can just grab whatever and we can ignore the original people. We can ignore the original purpose. We can ignore everything and we make it about us like we're crazed narcissists and, and the church loves to do this. No, we step into that portal. We have to acknowledge, show respect to who it was written to, why it was written to the culture, to the to everything that was going on. So this is the way I want you to understand. Every book is a portal. Before you step through that portal, you need a briefing, right? Okay, you need a you need to to attend a briefing so that you can be given all of the background of the world you're about to step into. So that you have at least a basic understanding of what is happening, who is who, what's going on. And so that when you step in there, you're not completely just confused and discombobulated and don't have a clue what's going on. You you step in, you go, oh, okay, 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 I understand. So to help you accomplish this, I taught you the book background method. That helps you understand the background before you ever open up the Bible, before you ever step foot into any of these books, before you enter into the portal, you know. So when you get into the portal, you have that idea. That's the book background method. We've taught you that. Then, what I, the way I carry this illustration, once you step through the portal, you've got a backpack on, and contained in that backpack is a very advanced, ultra-high-def drone, Right? And so what you're going to do immediately when you step in, you're going to take off the backpack, you're going to grab the drone, and you're going to launch the drone to do a flyover, to do a flyover so that you can get a survey of the land. You can get a survey of the place where you find yourself. This is called the book survey method. The book, and we taught you that. So first you do background of the book, then you do a survey of the book. And we taught you both of those methods. Today, this afternoon, we move to the third stage. So if you think about it, these are individual methods. I want to make sure you understand this. These are individual methods, but we are uniting them together into one comprehensive method of Bible study. First, you do a background study of the book, right? Before you even enter into the portal, once you get there, you do a survey, background survey. Now, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do analysis, or we can call this the exploration. You before you do background before you step into the portal. Once you step into the portal, 
You stay right where you are. You just, you take that first step in and you don't do anything else. You, you launch the drone. You do the survey. After you've reviewed the drone footage, then you're like, okay, guys, let's pack up. And then you move off into the, the, this new place, this new culture, this new everything. You begin to explore it and you're going to explore it by analyzing it. This is the uh, chapter, we call this the chapter analysis method, the chapter analysis method of Bible study. That's typically uh, how we refer to this, the chapter analysis method of Bible study. This is how to do an in-depth study of each chapter of a book of the Bible. The Bible, the books are made up of chapters, so guess what? The, uh, uh, wherever, whatever world you step into, well, there's all kinds of different aspects of that. Well, think of the, the Bible as a portal. You step in, you're now in this new world. And how you see every part of this world is by looking at every single chapter. So we go from background of the book, survey of the book, to now an analysis of every chapter. Sometimes we call this the analysis method of Bible study. I think to be, to be more accurate, the chapter analysis. The chapter analysis. Now, I've got, to, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Typically, when I teach the analysis method or the chapter analysis method, what I have a tendency to do is to teach it in one episode, one one sermon, one Sunday school class, one wherever, because I've, I've taught these methods for so many years. But every time I teach these methods, I'm always modifying, always changing, trying to say, how can I make these better? How can I make these more helpful? How can I benefit the most people possible? And I have decided that trying to teach the chapter analysis method or the analysis method of Bible study is going to require me to break this down into more than one episode. Trying to do it in one episode I think would take me probably about an hour and 30 to an hour and 45 minutes. And I think by the end of it, you would have smoke coming out of your ears and you would be just like all confused. I, Cause I think people get confused. However, I have so simplified this, or at least I feel like I have, that I probably could try to do it, but I'm just, I'm just going to go so far where I think is a good stopping point. I'm going to stop then. The next time we're together for this series, guess what? I will immediately uh, go right back to this and then put it together. So uh, I, I hope that's helpful. I may regret doing it this way. I've already asked some people that when I'm done doing this, they can tell me that was a mistake. You should have done it all in one episode. Some people are probably would prefer that I do it in one episode. Others would prefer that I break it down. So I'm probably going to get 50% 50, 50 of the people who hate it, 50% of the people who love it. But I really think this is for your benefit. All right. So here we go. We now arrive at what we would call the third stage or the third part of studying a book of the Bible. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a chapter analysis of each of the chapters of that book. After the background study and the survey study has been completed and you have a pretty good grasp and overview of the book, you're now going to begin to examine its individual parts. Since most chapter divisions, since most chapter divisions are suitable and useful, it's best to examine the parts in that way. I don't know. You may want, I guess you could play with the way that's written. Um, do I go with it's the best. I think it's just the most natural because the Bible, your every book is broken down into chapters. So if you're going to start an analyzing things, if you're going to do an analysis. Well, I think you have to look at the chapter. So we go from the background of the book to a survey of the book to now analyzing the chapters of the book or background, the whole, the parts. We go from the background to the whole to the parts. I think that, I think that makes perfect sense. And, and hopefully you can anal, uh, understand it from that way. Now, the definition often given to this method, depending on, um, 
all the different ways that, I mean, there's lots of modifi- there's lots of different versions of this, but a chapter analysis involves gaining a thorough understanding of the material of a chapter of a book by looking carefully at each paragraph, sentence, and word in an intensely detailed and systematic manner. Basically, the way this works is we're going to kind of go to basically the chapter, the verses, and a conclusion. It's really kind of how we're going to look at it, all right? We're going to kind of look at the chapter almost as a whole. Then we're going to kind of look at the verses, and then we're going to kind of put it together in some kind of a conclusion, all right? I think this is important, all right? So chapter, verse, conclusion, I think is a good way, all right? Now, why would we worry about a chapter analysis? Well, chapter analysis is done along with the book background and book survey and book synthesis methods. And this enables us to understand the Bible and the way in which it was written in whole books. It is also a method which we use limited outside helps, thus enabling us to learn from the scriptures on our own. If you, if you think about it, the background, we, I, man, all kinds of different outside resources, right? Because a lot of the background to the books of the Bible are not found. Well, it's not found inside the Bible. We need the background information so we can understand what we read inside the Bible. Once we step into the Bible, our, our, our focus should be what's actually in the Bible. So instead of looking at books about it and reading notes and all of that, well, the survey was really focused on getting you very, 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 very acquainted with the book by having you read it multiple times, all of the different things that we did, you can go back and listen. So the chapter analysis is going to be, we're going to really, we're going to really get into this, right? We're going to really, we're going to really get into each chapter and we're going to take it apart and then each verse, but it's, you're going to be focused on the chapter and the verses, not what people have said about the chapter and the verses. All right. Um, see, so here's going to be, uh, yeah, there's more we could say here. For some reason, I, I've said analysis. I haven't said, yeah, uh, for some weird reason, all of a sudden my mind's like, you've been saying it incorrectly. I don't think I have, right? The chapter analysis method or the analysis method. Okay. Um, I, I think I've said it correctly. Now I'm going to go back and have to listen. All right, here we go. Here are the steps. I have I have completely rewritten this method for the 50th time. I'm always changing this method because first of all, most people will not even be willing to even approach or even attempt this method. Look, you start with background survey, usually even before you, especially the survey, considering how many times you've got to read uh, the, the book, that's usually where most people drop out. They're already done. Some may do a kind of a modified background, maybe. Basically, it's like, I'll look at the introduction in my Bible. That's basically it. Some will actually do one. The, the, the survey method, people are like, that's it. No way. That's Which is just crazy to hear Christians like, nope, too much work. You want me to read my Bible too much. I'm not going to do that. It, I've got other things to do. It's It's just really... That says a lot about so many things. But when it comes to this, the chapter analysis method, this is where people are like, you're out of your mind. You've got to be kidding me. But I'm telling you, I guess what I find the most perplexing is you can't get Christians to do the methods but it has never stopped Christians and arguing and acting like they're experts about it. You can't get the Christians, you can't get Christians to actually study the contents, but they all think they know what it means. Christians never seem to have some internal voice that says, hey, you haven't really studied this. Stop acting like you know. Come on, stop it. I mean, I don't know. I've been in Sunday school classrooms. I've been in Small groups is typically the men who always seem to act like that they're somehow the expert. And you just want to say, have you, how much time have you actually spent studying this? But man, they're so dogmatic. They're so, no, that's the way it is. And I, there was a time I would just like throw down and just argue. Now I'm just kind of like, whatever, 
I, I don't even, you know, okay, whatever, believe whatever you want, because it's just so useless. And look, what's the point in arguing with people who won't actually invest the time to do the study? I, they're not going to do the study, but they're going to tell you that you're wrong. They're going to tell you that they know better. And you know what they're, they based it on because, oh, look, they did a Google search and found an article. And this is, that's the, the interpretation they're going with. They've not done actually any study on their own. So it, it really, I guess that's what bothers me. When on one hand, okay, great. You don't want to study, wonderful. But then just don't act like that you're the expert. It drives me crazy that attitude. And again, it's typically in Christian men. I mean, they won't put forth near the time that's required. But man, they've always think they got the right answer. They always think they know. And and sometimes you're just like, so what's the point of studying? Why, why am I spending hours studying just to have someone go, look, I haven't even read the chapter, but you're wrong. Okay, well, congratulations. <laughs> what do you do? So this method, it's just, you, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to warn you is this going to require a little bit of work and you're going to have to pay close attention to try to understand this one. Are you ready? Here we go. I want you to think of it this way. We will look at each chapter and the chapter analysis method, right? And the chapter analysis method. We're going to look at each chapter. Then we're going to look at each verse. Then we're going to create a conclusion of the study. We're going to go, if you think about it, we've moved from background to overview to the parts and and the analysis method, right? And the analysis method, we're going to then move from chapter Again, if you think about it, kind of going from the from the broader view to then the verses. Now we're going to move in and then we'll back up and then conclude everything. Here is step number one of the chapter analysis method. Read the chapter. Now, I know there are people who go to my church know what I'm getting ready to say. Read it five times. In this particular case, I've modified it, and here's the reason, Ron. You've already done a background study of the book. You've already done an overview of the book, which required you to read it, I think, at minimum of four times. So in this particular case, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to sit down with whichever book you're getting ready to read, which study, right? You've done, or the book that you've already been studying, doing the background and the survey. Now I just want you to sit down, and you're going to open up to chapter one of whichever book it's going to be, and we're going to be using these methods for some of the minor prophets coming up in the next few weeks as we move towards uh, kind of a, I don't know, it's going to be a couple, uh, probably a month or so study on some of the minor prophets. But when we get ready to get there, you're going to open it up and you're going to go to the first chapter. And I just want you to sit down and read the chapter four times. I don't want you taking any notes. I don't even really want you thinking about anything. Just read the chapter four times. No, I don't want you, not in a study Bible. Do not look at a commentary. Don't look at anything, just the scripture four times. Just one, just one chapter. Because you're going to work on this chapter by chapter, all right? So, so it's going to be weird because it's going to feel, so if you think about it, uh, this this method, you're going to be doing each, this is a method for each chapter for the book. So you're going to you're going to do all of this for each chapter of the book after you've done that for all the chapters then you'll go well I think what we'll do is we'll have you do it for one chapter what this method for one chapter then you'll go to the next chapter it'll all make sense in a minute but all right now all you've got to do is read I I, I may modify it I think I'm going to modify it again but that's okay read the chapter that's never going to change read the chapter four times usually I say five times but because this is combined with some other methods, by this time, you should already know the contents of the book very, 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 very well. But this will just really reemphasize the contents of the chapter, all right? So this is, I want to make sure you understand this. You're saying, but this is the chapter analysis method. So you want me to read every chapter four times? No, no. I just want you to start with the first chapter and read that first chapter that you're studying four times. Okay, this is where a lot of people get confused. But this is a uh, you, you want you want me to study the whole book? Yes, but we've got to we're gonna now we're gonna focus on the individual parts. So in a sense, now you're moving into the book. You're confronted with chapter one. No matter what the book you're looking at, 
I want you to spend time right there with that first chapter, and then you'll do the same with the second chapter. Then, But right now, just reading one chapter four times. Number two, number two, step number two should be super easy. If you remember in the survey method, you gave every chapter a title. Well, you can give the, now here you just give the chapter a title. You can use the one that you've already used in your survey method, or now that you've read the chapter four times, you may decide, oh, I think I messed up on my, now change the title. If you change the title, do not go back and change it on your in your survey study. Don't go back and erase it. And No, leave your survey study where it was, right? Because what it's going to show is that, you, well, you're continuing to gain information and now you're, you're modifying your thoughts. Give the chapter a title. When you give the chapter a title, you want it short. You want the word, you want, if you can use words directly from the chapter, that's great. But the goal of the title is that just looking at the title, it captures what the chapter is about. Doesn't mean it captures every single thing in the chapter, but it helps you just remember that's what that chapter is about. Okay, so give the chapter a title. Step one, read to chapter four times. Step two, give the chapter a title. Step three, go through the chapter and make a general outline of it. This is just a basic outline. Now, just the only rule to remember, whenever you outline anything in the Bible, it cannot, it cannot include an interpretation. Outlines that have interpretations in them are no longer outlines. They are wrong. Why? Outlining is not an an interpretive tool. Outlining is an observational tool. Always remember the rule. Observation always comes before interpretation. You can't interpret what you haven't observed. The quality of your observation, come on class, determines the quality of your interpretation. It's observation, interpretation, then application. That's the way it works. So outline, just a general outline. All your goal is you've read the chapter four times. Actually, read the chapter more based on the other method that you've already worked on, but we won't go through that. Okay, you've read the chapter at a minimum four times. You know what's in it. You've given it a title. Now you try to get that content on paper. You try to get it on paper. Just the most basic general outline. It does not have to... Be this extensive, crazed outline. Some people get so caught up into this. Is, this is your basic outline of the chapter. Okay? Now that you've done that. Now, what I have done in the past is step three, where I tell you to go through the chapter and make a general outline of it. In the times past, I've said do a, a chapter, do the chapter summary method. But I'm not going to do that this time. I'm not going to do that this time. All right? So we, we've modified. So step one, you're just reading it four times. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to write anything down. Step two, you're giving it a title. You've already given it a title in the survey method. So this one doesn't require much work. Step three, you just go through and make a general outline. That shouldn't be too difficult, especially considering how much work you've already kind of done on everything in the survey method. Really, at this point, you're just kind of coasting along. Like at this point, it feels like the cert, think of it this way. The background method kind of gets you to the bottom of the hill. The survey method is a long, difficult climb to the top of the hill. Now that you start the chapter analysis method, guess what? This is at the beginning of this, you just, you just take, you just coast, you coast downhill. You don't really have to do much at this point. I read it. I give it a title. And I'll make a general outline. Woo! Then you're back at the bottom of the hill, okay? And now you come to step four. This becomes your verse-by-verse observation. Did you hear what I said? This is not verse-by-verse interpretation. This is verse-by-verse observation. 
Remember, Bible study, just by definition, is predominantly nothing more than observation. You have to do Bible study, which is observational, before you can move into interpretation. You've got to spend 98% of your time in observation before you can ever get there. That's why I get so irritated when people are start arguing with me about something. Is like, well, how much time have you actually spent observing the text, the book, the chapter? And and then when you find it, they really haven't done much. It's like, why are you arguing with me? You don't even you haven't even done what's required. When you've spent you know fifteen hours doing observation, then let's talk. But you say that Christians get offended. No, I don't need to do anything. Okay, well then, great. That's that's probably why we're never going to agree on anything. But there you go. This is where you begin the verse by verse observation. Are you ready? This step, step four, begins the verse by verse analysis of the chapter. You start with the activity of observation. In this step, you are looking in detail. At every sentence, every word, and you're going to write down everything you see. You're trying to answer the question, what does it say? Listen, you are not trying to answer, what does it mean? If you start trying to answer, what does it mean, before you have determined what does it say, then what does it mean is going to be wrong. Everybody wants to jump to, read, what does it mean? No, not read, what does it say? What does it say? Not what does it mean. You can't understand what it means until you understand what it says. Okay, I, I, I'm wanting to hear, hey, I'm wanting to hear, yay! I'm, I'm right now, I'm in an empty room, obviously, here, but but I, I, that's what I'm hoping all around the world, wherever people are listening to us today, they're like, yes, he's so right, okay? And I've been doing it wrong. We've all been doing it wrong in some way, shape, or form, but we, because we have a tendency to read and say, what does it mean? No, what does it say? Before you can begin to interpret the meaning of a verse or passage, you must first look at what it actually says. The purpose of observation is to saturate yourself completely with the contents of a Bible passage. Here's what I want you to think about, all right? I want you to think of it this way. the You've got the portal, right? That's the book. You got to do the background before you step into the portal. Now that you step into the portal, now that you step into the portal, right? Now you've got to launch the drone and get an overview. Now you're going to start your exploration and your, and your first exploration is just trying to get, okay, where am I at in this new world? Where am I at? Okay. As you start trying to do your exploration, you stop and you look at this section and then you just get a basic overview of this section. That's kind of your chapter overview. You're reading the chapter four times and you're outlining it. Now, now, right, think about it this way. Right now, when you get ready to now move from the kind of this this chapter part to the verse by verse, think of the verse by verse as you walk to a river or a lake and you jump in. You have to immerse yourself into every word, every sentence, and, but you're just immersing yourself into it, not to, to interpret it, just to see it, just to see what's actually there. You have to literally immerse yourself into the saturate, immerse yourself completely with the contents of the biblical passage. The mark of a good Bible student, I want you to hear this. It would be interesting if you went to your church said, all right, guys, what's the mark of a good Bible student? I wonder if you would get the right answer or the wrong answer. I would hope my church would get the right answer because I've only told them the right answer 927 billion times. Long-term listeners to this podcast, I would hope would get the answer because I've only said it about 100 billion times. I know a little bit of hyperbole on the numbers, but you get the idea. I've said it a lot. Just ask yourself, what do you think is 
What do you think is the mark of a good Bible student? The mark of a good Bible student is that they have trained themselves to observe things in the text that everyone else overlooks. The mark of a good Bible student is their observational skills. See, a a good Bible student steps into each chapter and they can immediately see every detail because they take the time to observe every detail. The quality of your observation determines everything. Overlooking biblical facts, overlooking biblical content. There are a number of reasons why people overlook things. There's a number of reasons. I want to take just a little a moment here because we 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 we've set we've done step one, read the chapter four times. Step two, we've given the chapter a title. Step three, we've gone through the chapter and made a general outline. So we've got a pretty good idea what's going on in this chapter. Now we're going to begin the verse by verse observation. We're going to begin this verse by verse observation where you're now going to try to figure out what is said by the words that are used. You're going to try to observe what is being said, not what it means. And and the key here is your observational skills. But so many Christians have the same, like you can get 10 Christians together all looking at the same chapter and it is absolutely astounding how they can come to such radically different conclusions. You're like, what? And, and I, again, I, I've almost reached the point now in my Christian life. I was like, whatever, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't even argue anymore because it's like people, people see what they want to see, but I, but I, I will walk away knowing this. Though that's some, that's some completely. That's that's that that person completely demonstrates a lack of observational skills because they're overlooking things in the text. And there's reasons people overlook things in the text. Here's number one. They rush through a passage too quickly. They just go through the passage too quickly. Too, too, and, and in many cases, they learn this in church. I can't stand when someone tells me, oh, man, our church, we just did a study of Romans. Oh, really? How long was the series? Six weeks? <laughs> really? You covered Romans in six weeks? Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So obviously you didn't observe anything that was actually in any chapter because there's no way you even came close to observing anything in six weeks. We've been working on Romans since 2019. And we're, we're I mean, and we didn't even do an, enough in-depth study, I would argue. But so many times we want to, it's like we're just trying to get through the passage, get through the passage, get through the passage, get through the passage. You have to slow down. And not indulge, now this is where I'm guilty, in speed reading. You got to slow down. Now, the you know what the best way to help you slow down? Reading out loud. It creates a whole different, your brain functions. Just because you, when you're reading out loud, you have to slow down. It's It's far different. It's a whole different mechanism at work when you're reading out loud versus when you're reading to yourself. So find a place somewhere and just read when, when, you know, when you're doing your reading, you're going to want to read out loud, at least some. I always, usually on all the Bible study methods, I always tell you one of the times you have to read it out loud, right? But you gotta, you gotta slow down. Number two, oh boy, now everyone gets, it's usually Christian men who get irritated with me about this. I'm going to say it and I don't care who gets offended. If you're not writing things down, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pounding my pencil on the table. If you do not write things down, you're not studying. You're pretending. You got to write. You always need a notebook. You always need a pencil. You always, like, 
When you become a Christian, it should be like, here are the three things that you're going to live with from the moment of your salvation to the moment of your glorification. A Bible, a pencil, a notebook. Just carrying them with you everywhere you go, and they should be used frequently. A 19th century professor of zoology at Harvard taught his students the art of observation, right? zoology, how to observe. And this is what he used to say, and I quote, and I, since I cannot 100% verify the accuracy of said quote, I'm not going to give the name of the individual who supposedly said this because I haven't verified for sure in primary sources that he's actually the one who said it. I probably could verify if I did a little bit more work. Probably I could do a Google search and find it. But I just, I don't like to give the name of someone if I'm not 100% sure that they said it, right? Because a lot, because I, because I came across the quote in another book that said he said it, but they didn't tell me where the source was, where he said it. So I'm not going to trust that they got the quote. You see how that works, okay? Because so many times, a church father said this. And you go, where? And you go, look, I'm like, no church, that, that church father didn't say that. Luther didn't, or church fathers didn't say that. Or Luther didn't say that. Or who, Augustine didn't say that. Or Calvin didn't say that. Where are you getting these? But yeah, usually it's posted as a meme or, or, or as a poster thing on social media. And you're like, that's not a quote from Luther. What are you doing? Just stop it. Okay, but so... That's why I'm not giving the name. But supposedly, this professor of zoology at Harvard said this, I quote, A pencil is the best eye. We need to write down what we see. Then we will begin to see more. A pencil is the best I, we have to write down what we see, and then we will begin seeing more. Now, I believe he just said the pencil is the best eye. I don't, I don't believe that second part actually came from the professor. I think he, all he said was a pencil is the best eye. But the concept would be we need to write down what we see so that we will begin to see more. If you want to see, look, look again, this whole thing is about observation. You can't ob- observe if you're not writing. You've got to write down. You've got to write things down. You've got to write things down. You have to. So why do we mess up our observation? We rush through. We won't write down. And then we give up too soon. We give up too soon. The longer You've got to put it this way. I, I could spend a long time on this one, but I'm going to give up too soon on this one, but that's okay. You, you've got to spend time in the text. You've got to spend time in the text. You've got to spend time in the text. The more time, the more you see. Not, you're not spending in the text to interpret. You're spending, for some weird reason, people think that they can just like one time through the chapter, I got it. Now let's interpret it. And it's like, No, 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 no. We got to spend time observing. Everybody wants to get to the interpretation. They don't want to spend the time in the observation. Now, so, so then how do you do this? This is very simple. You've, let's go through the steps. Step one, you've rushed through, you've rushed through the passage. Number one, you've read the chapter four times. You've not written anything down. You've given the chapter a title. Now you now you're going to go through the chapter and you're going to give it an outline. All right, that's that's basic stuff. Now here's what you're going to do: you're going to start working. Ver, you're going to read through the chapter. You're going to start going through the chapter again, verse by verse, and you're going to start working on observing what you are seeing. And you do this by asking good questions. If a mark of a good Bible student is their observational skills. The second mark of a good Bible student is their ability to ask good questions. All right? You have to go through verse by verse through the chapter asking these verses questions. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go through the chapter verse by verse, and you're going to write out the question you're asking, right? And then the answer you see, 
Now, these are observational questions, not interpretive questions. And feel free to modify this. I'm going to give you 30, 30, well, actually, it's going to be 30 plus questions to ask of each verse. You don't have to look for all 30 of these. You can modify this, but the more questions you ask each verse, the more you're going to see. The more you see, the better prepared you are to interpret. Right? So let's let's go through this one more time. I told you this is going to take a long time. Step one, you're reading the chapter four times. That's good to go. You give it a title. Good to go. Three, you're going to go through the chapter and just outline it. General outline. Number four, you begin the verse-by-verse observation by going back through the chapter, verse-by-verse, and you're going to start asking every verse questions. All right, here we go. You ready? Here are the questions. First, you're going to ask what's sometimes referred to as the vital observation questions. I wrote, in, you know, who, what, where, when, why, how, those kinds of questions, all right? But I've written them out a little different than just saying, hey, ask it who, what, where, when, and how. A lot of people are like, I don't know what to do. What does that mean? Okay, so I've tried to make it even simple. Start. So here's kind of questions. This is going to be 30 plus because I break this down into a number of questions, but I'll, I've given you specific questions to help you. For example, what is the chapter? What is this chapter about? Now you're, you're starting verse by verse. You're starting verse by verse, but right before you start verse by verse, just go ahead and write out, what is this chapter about? Because you at least need a kind of a general overview. You, you're already going to pretty much have a good idea here, right? You've got the chapter outline, and now when you start your verse-by-verse analysis, you can say, this chapter is about, just summary, now, based on what you see. You're not trying to figure anything out, just what is it about? Why do you think this chapter was written? These, 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 are, these are almost chapter questions first, but that's okay. It's, you're getting ready to start your verse by verse, but you got you to gotta at least have some of these basic things down, right? Why, uh, why do you think it was written? Then, so you've got, what is it about? Why do you think it was written? When? Now you start, you're going verse by verse, and I want you to look for any time reference. Any time reference. Any kind of time reference found. Just write down the time reference. You say, you can just put uh, uh, when... And then you just write down the type, uh, time reference and the verse. Right? You don't have to understand it. Just any time reference. Is there a time reference there? All right. Uh, next, uh, you can ask yourself, how is this chapter dealing with the issue? Is this chapter dealing with you? How is it dealing with it? With a very logical argument? With a parable? With a... Uh, just a, a story, like what's just basically kind of just ask what, how is this chapter dealing with, an, with, an, with the issue? How is this chapter describing the situation? Is it describing it in a positive way, negative way? Just basic information. Then where? Go through the verses, look for any places mentioned. Does it mention any places? Does it mention any places? Then, I think I have, see, do I have this? I'm going to, we may say this, uh, uh, This we may say this more than once, but go ahead and write it down here. Who? Are there any key people mentioned in, in the chapter? So when you first start off, you're just going to start some basic questions here, okay? Like, what is this chapter about? You're not trying to interpret it. Just generally, what is this chapter about? You just did your outline. So now you're getting ready to start your verse by verse. You're considering all the verses here. Well, why do you think it was written? Why do you think this chapter was written? When do you see any type time references? It can be anything. It was on the on the second Sabbath. It was on the feast day. Whatever the any any time reference. You don't have to understand it. You just write it down. Um, you can. How is this chapter dealing with an issue or the issue? How is the chapter dealing with with the issue? It may not be dealing with an issue. It may be. 
How is it describing the situation? I don't know if I, if I gave that one. How is the chapter dealing with the issue? How is it describing the situation? Is, again, is it describing it in a positive or a negative way? How is it describing the situation? Where? Look for any places mentioned. And then who are the key people in the chapter? Who are the key people? Key people doesn't necessarily mean, well, it mentions this person and it mentions Jesus. Jesus has to be the key person because he's more important. No, key person in understanding the chapter you're looking at. Okay, now we got to go through the rest of these relatively quick. The, other, these, the rest of these are simple. All right, there's your who, what, where, when, how kinds of questions. Now you can modify that. You can modify the who, what, where, when, how, and ask it in a different way. You're just doing a basic like who, what, where, when, how in that particular chapter you're looking at. Then here's some the rest of the things you're going to look for as you go verse by verse. Keywords. See any keywords in the in the verses? These are verses that may you may think are most important. These are verses that you may think summarize the entire chapter. It may be keywords that are most repeated. Keywords, right? And you're, you're going to write down the words and write down the reference for each one. Repeated words and phrases. Are there any words that are repeated in phrases? Sometimes the ones that are repeated or phrases that are repeated aren't the key ones. You just observe any key words or any uh, words that are repeated and any phrases that are repeated. You're just making an observation. Well, that's repeated 16 times. That's repeated three times. Just write down the things that are repeated. Again, write down what was said and the reference. Right? So, keywords, look for uh, words and phrases that are repeated. Next, look for questions that are being asked. Uh, look, wait, someone asked a question in verse 3. Boom, 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 boom. Write that down. Write down the reference. Because so many times, guess what we do? Someone asks a question, the rest of the chapter is an answer to that question, and we take the answer and apply it to something that has nothing to do with the original question. You don't believe me? See how preachers preach Matthew 24. All right? Keywords. Look uh, look what's uh, words that are repeated and phrases that are repeated. Look for questions being asked. Look for answers being given. Observe the question and then observe the answer. Okay, the question is asked in verse 4. The answer covers from verse 5 to verse, say, 21. You just write it down. And you can write, and you may not be able to summarize the answer, but you can at least know you're, you're seeing that that's where the answer takes place. Look for commands. Just write down the commands. You don't have to understand the commands. Just write them down. Look for warnings. Are there any warnings? So let's go through these again. Keywords, so you ask those six vital questions, who, what, where, when, how. uh, Keywords, uh, repeated words and phrases, questions being asked, answers being given, commands, warnings. Right? Next, I'm going to grab my iPad here so I can stop looking away from the, uh, I can stop looking away from the microphone. All right, here we go. These are important. All right, I'm going to try to go through quickly because we're already at 52 minutes. I want to try to, I, uh, th- th- this, this method requires so much work. Okay, here we go. Just trying to teach it. So you're looking for the keywords, right? You look for the keywords. You look for repeated words and phrases. You look for questions being asked. You look for answers being given. You look for commands. You look for warnings. You look for comparisons, things that are alike. Is there some comparison being made about, look at this and look, the, these things are alike. Are, look for contrast. Is it contrasting things that are different? Look for illustrations. Is an illustration being made in the text? Look for cause and effects and reasons for doing things. Does, does these verses show a cause and effect? Does it give a reason for doing things? Is it showing, hey, here's the cause, here's the effect, here's the reason for doing something. Look for promises and their possible conditions for fulfillment. Like, here's a promise, but here's the condition. This is a promise, here is the condition. Now, sometimes you'll say, here's the promise and determine there isn't a condition. It's a not, is an unconditional promise. But almost most of the promises are conditional. Look for progression 
from general to specific. As you're going through the verses, does it does it kind of go from like, here's a general idea, and then it progresses to a more specific, detailed understanding? Is there some kind of progression found in the verses? That's, that's a progression from general to specific, or look for progression from specific to general. Does it start off very specific and move to a more general, or does it look start from a general and move to a more specific? Do you see some progression through the verses and whatever it's talking about or describing? Look for steps of progression and a narrative. Like if it's a narrative, you still look for steps of progression. Just look for any kind of progression that's made in its discussion. Look for a list of things. Does the, does the chapter, do the verses give you a list? Does it list things? Look for results. Does the, do the verses give you some kind of results to something? What is it a result of? What are those results? Look for advice, admonitions, and attitudes. Do you see in these verses advice being given? Admonitions or attitudes. Look for the tone of the passage, the its emotional atmosphere. Just note as you're going through what you know. What is the what is the emotional tone here? Is it sarcastic? Is it angry? Is it is it is it filled with pain? Just just look for the emotional atmosphere, the emotional tone. Look for connectives, articles, and prepositions. You just let's do this. Look for the any look just do you see anything interesting about the grammatical structure of a verse? Let, let's just do it that way. Look for explanations. Do, do you see an explanation in the verses? Look for Old Testament quotes in the New Testament. If you see anything, go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a quote. That's a quote. That's a reference to something. Write it down. Write down not only the verse where you find it, but then find the Old Testament quotation and write down that uh, reference. Look for the literary form. As you're reading through the verses, do you notice, is it a, what, do you, what kind of literary form are you seeing? Now, you probably already should have the answer by this because of the background in your survey, but just note, whoa, 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 this, this is a parable right here. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is, what's this? Wait, I think this is poetry. Wait, what is this? And just, just, just write down what you're seeing. Look for paradoxes. Are there paradoxes in it? Look for emphasis through the use of space or proportion. Look for emphasis through the use of space or proportion. Look for planned exaggerations or hyperboles. Now, this is a bit, that one, the use of space or proportion, yeah, that one, I, I, look, I'm just trying to include as many possible things to look for as possible. You're not always going to find all of these, but the more questions you have ready in your mind, the, then you can ask the verses these questions as you're going through them, all right? Do you see any exaggeration or hyperbole? That's always important to see. Um, next, look for the use of the current events of the times. Is it is it referring to something that's going on at that time? You're like, wait, what are they talking about here? What are they talking about here? Are they making some reference to something going on at that time in that culture that the writer assumes everyone already knows about? What, what, what are they referring to? Look for the force of the verbs and then simply look for anything unusual or unexpected. All right, there you go. I could probably add a couple of more or change some of those, but those are not meant to be perfect questions. Those are meant to be very general questions to get you where you at least have something to look for, right? So let's go through this again. Chapter analysis method. Step one, 
read the chapter four times. Don't write anything down. Don't take any notes. Don't look at any notes. Don't look at any commentaries. Don't do anything. Very simple. Step two, you give the chapter a title. You've already done that in the survey method, but you can change it here if you want. Step three, go through the chapter and just make a general outline. Very simple. Step four, you begin the verse-by-verse observation. Now you're going to go through each verse and you're going to begin asking questions about each verse. And you're going to be writing down what you are observing. This is verse-by-verse observation, not verse-by-verse interpretation. This, I, this is where it always weirds me out when people get all nervous. Like, I don't know what to do. You're just observing. You're not interpreting anything. So this is easy to do. The worst you can do is miss something, but you can't get anything wrong unless you're seeing something that's not there. Okay, now that would be a problem. And how do you do this? By asking questions. And so you start off with the six basic questions. More so, these are just general questions to help you get started. What is this chapter about? You've read it four times. Hopefully, you know what it's basically about. Hey, why why do I think this chapter was written? Well, it was written because clearly there was a problem. It was written to deal with this or it was written, whatever. Okay, Um, is there any time references here? You're going through the verses. Oh, there's a time reference. There's a time reference. Uh, Is the chapter dealing with a specific issue? Okay, like how is it dealing with the issue? How is it describing the situation? Where? Uh, is, it, is, is there any places mentioned in it? And what, who are the key people? Then you start with the rest of the question. Okay, who, the key words. Words and phrases that are repeated. Questions being asked. The answers being given. Commands. Warnings. Comparisons. Things that are alike. Contrast. Things that are different. Illustrations. Cause and effect, reason for doing things. Look for promises and their conditions for fulfillment. Look for progression from general to specific. Look for progression from specific to the general. Look for steps of progression in a narrative or biography. Look for a list of things. Look for results. Look for advice, admonitions, and attitudes. Look for the tone of the passage, emotions, and atmosphere. Look for the connectives, articles, and prepositions. Look for explanations. Look for the Old Testament quotes in the New Testament. Look for the literary form. Look for paradoxes. Look for emphasis through the use of space and proportion. Look for planned exaggerations or hyperboles. Look at look at the grammatical construction of each sentence. You'll notice I'm adding some here, but that's okay. Look for the use of the current events of the times. Look for the force of the verbs and look for anything that is unusual, unexpected, or you're just like, what in the world is this verse here for? And please note, you're writing the question down and you're writing what you're, the observation. Now, please don't, don't let that discourage you. I, I immediately, I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not going to look for, you're not going to find all of these things. You don't have to go through and try to find all of these things. This is not where you go through and look, do I have this? Do I have this? Do I have this? No, you have these questions in your mind, right? So as you're reading back through the chapter, as you're looking at each verse, you just got these things in your mind and you're like, you got, it. okay. So you're, you just, you're just reading along and you're like, okay, all right. And Adam knew Eve, uh, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have get, uh, gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. You just, as you're reading, you're just thinking of any of these questions. Right? I've got, I got people being mentioned. I got Adam being mentioned. I got Eve being mentioned. I got Cain being mentioned. I got Abel being mentioned. I think by the time you get to the end of the chapter, you'll probably think that Cain and Abel are probably the more key people of it. All right? Uh, Do I have any key words? You just, you just, these are things you just, you can keep the list of the questions because if you're reading through it and you're not seeing anything, but your job is not to go trying to find the answer to all of these. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, so some of the, someone just asked, so some of the questions are done when uh, zoomed out on the whole chapter and some when you look at each verse. For example, literary form would be zoomed out, but Old, Test, uh, but Old Testament and New Testament, but we, we look at each verse. Yeah, okay, good question. Thank you, thank you for the, the question because that helps a lot. Yes, some of these questions, like the, for, for me, the main questions, the, those six 
the six vital questions, who, what, where, when, how, those are kind of more focused at the chapter. That's why I put them first. So you're just getting ready to kind of start your verse by verse and you just start throwing out some questions to the chapter, trying to kind of get you warmed up. Most of these are more specifically focused on the verses, right? In other words, I come to a verse, oh, wait a minute, that verse, that's a reference to something in the Old Testament, all right? So that would be that would be kind of more zoomed in, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, the, some of the questions may look at the chapter, some of the questions may look at the verses, but in doing this, you really are going to be doing a verse-by-verse analysis. It may not feel, you're like, well, I'm asking questions about the chapter, trust me, you're still going to be looking ultimately at a verse-by-verse analysis, all right? But, and again, you don't have to go with these questions. I just want you to understand, you're not like, okay, I got 30 questions and I've got to find 30 answers. No, 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 no. These are just questions to help you observe. You're just, you're just going to be going through, all right? You're just going to be going through, and, and if you see it, great. If you see it, wonderful, these questions just help give you something to start thinking about as you're going through it, right? I mean, put it this way. As soon as you, before you even start your verse by verse, I mean, think about it. You've already read the chapter. You've already read the book four times. You now have read the chapter four times. I mean, yours should be pretty, and you've done an entire background study of the book. So as soon as you get ready to start, it's just easy to go, well, what is this chapter about? Okay, you probably already know, so it's not like you're going to have to do anything. You can just write it down, okay? Um, what is this chapter about? Let me go through some of these. Um, why do I think it was written? You probably have a pretty good idea why you think it was written. You have a pretty good idea why you think it was written. Um, is there any time references? You probably already know some of the time references within the chapter. I mean, you've read it multiple times. So that's just to kind of get you started, right? That's just kind of get you started. And then after you kind of answered a few questions, then you start going verse by verse and look, and just as you're reading verse by verse, thinking, wait a minute, wait, that's a key word. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, that's been, re- that's repeated and, and that word's repeated. That phrase is re- repeated. Wait, there's a question right there. Wait, where is the answer? Wait, there's a contrast here. Wait, there's a comparison right here. That's the thing. Just having these things in mind. So it's not because people get so overwhelmed going, well, I, uh, I, I didn't see that much. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. And you say, well, that, that could hurt my interpretation. It could. And so the more you do this method, the better you'll get at observing. You don't become an expert in observational skills by doing one Bible study. You become good at observational skills spending a lifetime studying. Now, we didn't get to the next part of this study. We didn't even get anywhere close. But at this point, we, we, we're now getting ready to move into um, more of an interpretive. We're going to start asking some interpretive questions next. But we'll do that in the next episode because we're already over an hour. And we, did, we didn't even finish all of this method. But you see why you see why I had to break it down into two parts? Because typically I just have to go, all right, here's some questions. Boom, 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 boom. Let's move on. Okay, but I I wanted to really try to drive the point home and what you're trying to accomplish here. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Well, thank you. Someone just said thank you. Thank them for listening. Newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And I, I don't know if I'll get to the rest of this method tonight. If I can, I will. If not, you know we will tomorrow. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great afternoon. And uh, just get these skills down because in just a couple of weeks, we will start taking these skills and putting them to work on the minor prophets. Not all of them, but some of them. And that's going to be the perfect books for this because many of them are much shorter and this will be much easier. We, we probably, we're all probably just going to pick one. We're probably just going to pick one minor prophet. What I'm probably going to do is I'm going to give you a list of minor prophet books and you can choose. And I'm going to tell you to choose the shortest one. Okay. That's what I'm going to tell you to do because it'll be easy. All right. So there you have it. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you have any questions, email me. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.